Welcome to BSD Talk number 158. It's Thursday, September 25th, 2008. I just have an interview for you today, so here it is. Today on BSD Talk, we're speaking with Chess Griffin. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Will. It's great to be here. And I'm just glad to have the opportunity to you know, return the favor. You had me on your Linux podcast, maybe, I guess it was last August, a little over a year ago. Yep, it sure was, and uh, it was actually a very popular episode. Uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to come on and, and talk a little BSD to the uh, Linux reality audience. And part of your, your reason for having me on there is that you've also yourself been playing a little bit with the BSDs. So I guess we should sort of dive right into that. Um, maybe first let us know sort of how you started maybe with the whole open source and free software um, movement and then how you stumbled upon the BSDs. Sure. Well, you know, I, I, uh, I kind of grew up with computers. I, my first computer I got in the, was in the late 70s. I was, I don't know, 10 years old. My parents got an Apple II or Apple II Plus. And so I, I for, for many years there, uh, during my youth, I was, you know, hacking around on that and uh, uh, doing stuff in assembly in Pascal and just, just having a good time. And, and then when I, you know, started uh, college and graduate school, I kind of moved away from computers for a while. And then in the mid-90s, um, mid to late 90s, I had uh, moved. I currently live in Raleigh, North Carolina, uh, where Red Hat is. And so I had, you know, there was a lot of buzz in the in the local news about Linux. And so I started to kind of look into it, and I never really did anything with it. We, we weren't uh, using Windows. I think we were uh, pretty much using Macs at the time. But I started to explore with it and finally made sort of the, the full-time permanent conversion, if you will, to Linux back in 2001. And I've been using Linux full time since then at home. Unfortunately, I still have to use Windows at work, but I've been using Linux full time at home, and you know, been you know enjoying it and and having a good time. And then, to be honest with you, I mean, I had heard of the BSDs, and I was certainly aware of them, but it wasn't until I came across your podcast, uh, to be honest, and listened, you know, listened to every one of your episodes. And after, you know, after listening to that for a while, listening to a lot of the BSD users and developers and folks involved with the community, it sounded just fascinating to me and really interesting. And so, you know, I guess it was about, I don't know, a year and a half or two years ago or so, I started, you know, seriously spending some time with the BSDs, and, and I still do that now. So could you describe some of the projects that you've done? Sure. Um, primarily, I mean, I'm not, I don't work in IT, so I don't uh, really administer machines at work or anything like that. Uh, so my experience has been strictly at home and sort of as a hobbyist. And uh, I've spent most of my time, I'd say the vast majority of my time uh, with the BSDs using, kind of splitting it between FreeBSD and OpenBSD. Uh, I haven't spent very much time with NetBSD, although that's sort of next on my list, I guess. But So at home, I've just been using both of those operating systems as sort of the general desktop uh, server and just, you know, just kind of playing around with them. I've got, I mean, I've got, I don't know, 10 or, 10 or 12 different machines at home, and uh, most of them have got uh, they either dual boot or triple boot uh, between Linux and uh, some flavor of Linux and uh, FreeBSD or OpenBSD. And, 
And so I've really taken the time to try to, you know, sort of dive down and, and try to learn about the BSDs. And I've, you know, bought a bunch of books and, you know, as I said, listened to your podcast and, and just spent countless hours sort of <laughs> mucking around uh, and, and just having a great time learning about the BSDs. And did you find that the skills that you had picked up while learning Linux translated fairly easily to the BSDs? Yeah, I definitely think so. Um, you know, when I first started seriously playing around with the BSDs, uh, it was, uh, well, I, I have a distinct memory of when I first started using Linux and just how exciting it was and how it just sort of opened up a, a you know, a new world to me, so to speak. And I got that exact same feeling when I started using the BSDs. I mean, I quickly felt right at home. Uh, I mean, I tend to be a user, I don't know, I mean, maybe it's my age or something, I don't know, maybe I'm a partial uh, Luddite or something, but I, 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 my needs are not that great. I mean, I, I tend to use older computers. You know, I don't have any kind of whiz-bang type things. I don't necessarily like a bunch of eye candy and, and GUI tools. I tend to do a lot in the terminal. So I felt right at home. It was interesting, though. I, I, mean, I mean, there were definitely little things that I noticed right off the bat, and it, even things that, that may sound very innocuous to most folks, but, you know, for example, learning a different shell. I was so used to Bash, although I had used, uh, I'd been using ZSH for a while, but you know, still learning different shells. And, and although the file system was fairly similar, what really struck me the very first time I started using the BSDs was just how sort of clean and, and logical and, and uh, well, clean, I guess, uh, the, the you know that the file system was, and, and just the system as a whole. But basically, I think you know, getting back to your question, yeah, I think the skills that I had uh, or have as a Linux user definitely translate well over to using the BSDs. What do you think the most challenging part was when you were switching over? I think definitely for me, um, and this really wasn't wasn't too much of a challenge. I mean, this is a good thing. I think was learning. Uh, or maybe relearning to actually read documentation. <laughs> um, you know, not that Linux doesn't have good good documentation, but it seems like you know every Linux distribution kind of does it, uh, you know, a little bit differently. And some tend to emphasize man pages. Some, you know, there's a couple that even don't, you know, that tend to strip out documentation. So, you know, the biggest challenge was sort of reminding myself of this great documentation and sort of, you know, focusing on using the man pages and using the OpenBSD FAQ and the FreeBSD handbook and, and those kinds of things rather than Googling for, for solutions or looking in forums and, and that sort of thing, which I was, which I was used to doing uh, before and still works, obviously, but, but I was really impressed with the documentation. You know, from a system administration standpoint, some of the some of the challenges, which you know, for maybe for some Linux users uh, might you know might trip them up initially, is little things again like uh, how to configure or how to start and stop services might be a little bit different. As I said, sort of you know learning new shells and wrapping your head around the separation of the base system from the ports or uh, packages that are installed, sort of the third-party applications, which I find to be really refreshing, and, I, and I, that's clear. I, I certainly think that's one of the advantages, but again, coming from Linux where you kind of view the whole thing as, as one big, you know, just one big set of packages that are installed uh, where there doesn't, at least to me, doesn't seem to be as much of a separation. Uh, that was one thing, you know, another thing I had to sort of wrap my head around, but once I did, it really made a lot of sense. And then the last thing is, and this doesn't impact me really, but I know a lot of folks you know, rely on, on proprietary uh, software, whether it's NVIDIA drivers, 
and I know there are NVIDIA drivers for the 32-bit FreeBSD, but for other uh, other versions there aren't, and, and you know people you know need to use Flash and, and uh, things like that. So fortunately, my needs in that area are not that great. I don't I don't use uh, NVIDIA cards. I, I tend to uh, try to buy uh, hardware that has open drivers, and so I've got ATI and Intel cards. I buy wireless cards that are supported, things like that. So that that wasn't really much of an issue for me, but I know for a lot of folks, the lack of flash and lack of 3D drivers and can be somewhat of a turnoff, but I have found lots of good workarounds in terms of downloading YouTube videos and, and, and dealing with that, you know, in that way. So, uh, but, you know, there, there really hasn't been any challenges that, that have been insurmountable, and, and the challenges that I have encountered have been fun challenges. I look at it as just a, a, as a good exercise in learning another Unix-like operating system. Yeah, it's almost as if, you know, what fun is a computer if you don't have to wrestle it to your will? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. And, and it, you know, and it may seem silly to some folks, but um, I remember one time when I installed um, Ubuntu, and I don't, use, uh, I don't use Ubuntu at home. I typically use Debian or Slackware. But uh, one time when I installed Ubuntu, everything did pretty much work. And I was sort of left with, a feeling like, well, okay, well, now what? <laughs> this, this isn't fun. <laughs> and maybe I'm uh, maybe I'm in the minority. I don't know, but I like I, I like having uh, to tinker and uh, have to get down the command line and and configure things exactly the way I like uh, them to be. And I like to learn how these things work. And and rather than just rely on a on a GUI tool that you know I can plug in a, a wireless password in, I'd like to know how that you know what that really does and how to actually configure network interface cards uh, from the command line. I think that's a skill that uh, translates well. Yeah, I think this is a good example. I mean, I, those were the kinds of things I did in Linux, and so when I uh, started using the BSDs, it was really no problem. And did you find that a lot of the desktop applications, I mean, I know you mentioned you know, difficulty with Flash or NVIDIA drivers, but other sort of applications like instant messengers and web browsers and mail clients, did you find that the same software, at least that you used, was available both on Linux and the BSDs? Oh yeah, definitely. And and the window managers that I that I like to use are certainly all there. All the standard software that that most people use, I think, is all there. Although interestingly, I think that and this is one thing I I, I sort of learned about through your podcast and have really started noticing is sort of this idea of of Linuxisms, I guess, uh, whether it's in software or. I mean, whether it's whether it's something specific or something broader, such as Mono, for example, you know, there seems to be uh, more and more Mono applications in Linux, and I and I know that there's there's Mono in FreeBSD, but I don't tend to use Mono-based applications, so again, that wasn't really a problem for me. But but yeah, by and large, everything that I was used to using, from web browsers to uh, window managers to you know MP3 players or VLC or M player, those kinds of things, everything is there. And uh, so once you get the system configure, you know, configured and working, then adding those third-party applications, it, you really would never know. I mean, if you were to sit someone down in front of a, a working uh, XFCE desktop, for example, running Firefox and Mplayer, I think someone would be hard-pressed to tell what, you know, what type of Unix operating system they were using. And have you been using BSD long enough to have gone through a major version upgrade on any of your systems? Uh, yes, I have. I um, well, for FreeBSD, I started using FreeBSD uh, 6.2, I think it was, and then I upgraded to 7.0, and I did that using a you know a, a typical 
build world type of process. I didn't reinstall, in other words. And uh, in OpenBSD, I have um, I've gone through I think two or three different upgrades um, from starting with maybe 4.1 or 4.0. So I guess that's I guess that's three upgrades to 4.3 currently. And then I've also continued to and after 4.3 came out, I started following uh, current. And so I would download. Uh, the OpenBSD snapshot images, and I would upgrade periodically. And so I'm actually currently using 4.4 current. And all of those upgrade paths have been completely painless. And uh, as long as someone follows the documentation, you know, in the case of FreeBSD, the, the make build world type of process, or in OpenBSD, whether it's uh, doing a, you know, a binary upgrade or, or whatever, but everything has just worked out perfectly well. And while it may not be you know, app get update, app get dist upgrade or something. Uh, it's it's not that far from that. It really isn't. It's and uh, and again, it's just sort of a fun learning process to see how you know to see how another operating system works. And it's it's been great. And have you tried any of the other desktop oriented BSDs like PC BSD or desktop BSD? I did. I did. Uh, I have tried PC BSD. Uh, I put that on one of my laptops. I've got two ThinkPad laptops. And uh, both of them are very BSD friendly. It's an X40 and a T61. And and I think on the X40 I uh, used uh, PC BSD for a little while, and it was and it worked very well. I can certainly see how the PC BSD uh, PBI system would uh, be very helpful to some users, especially newer users. It seems very easy, very Windows-like. You know, simply downloading one package and clicking through a little wizard or something. Again, that's not you know I tend to prefer other types of package management systems or port systems, but uh, but it worked very well. And uh, I have not tried the newest version of PCBSD, the one that's based on uh, FreeBSD 7.0, but I, that's one I do plan on working on as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm always watching PCBSD with interest, but unfortunately I'm never taking a liking to the KDE desktop. So, I mean, I know you can change it, but I, I'm, a, I'm the type of person who sticks with defaults. Yeah, <laughs> well, same defaults are important, and uh, yeah, I think for folks who like KDE, uh, it's a great system. I'm I'm the same way. I've never really been a KDE user. Uh, I tend to use just you know uh, either XFCE or a or a even smaller window manager. Uh, I tend to like the tiling window managers a lot. But when it when I did use PCBSD, it worked worked really well. And the nice thing about PCBSD is it does have you know a wireless applet, if you will. And so if you've got it on your laptop, for those who want to have that little GUI tool to con easily configure wireless, uh, it does have that, and it seemed to work really well. And besides dual booting or triple booting, I assume with as many computers at your household that, that you may have some sort of network set up and maybe with some file sharing and other things. Do you, have you set up NFS or any other sort of typical Unix network stuff between your Linux and BSD machines? Yes, I have my primary file server. I've actually got two file servers. One is a is a Samba server that we use because we do have some uh, folks that come over that have Windows uh, machines, and that one is still running Debian. Uh, but my other file server, sort of my main internal file server, is currently running FreeBSD. I have a print server. I've got two print servers: one running Slackware and run one running OpenBSD. And actually, the, the the second file server I mentioned is an NFS file server, and uh, have you know have had no issues configuring those because again I think once once the the software is installed, whether it's 
NFS or Samba or um, Cups, for example, or something like that, you know, configuring those is really the same. I mean, I have my Samba configuration files and my Cups configuration files from other installations, and for the most part, those things just transferred right over and, and just you know worked right out of the box. And the other piece of hardware I have in my network is I did buy a Socrus box at one point, a 4801. I know you mentioned recently you got the 5501, I think. Yeah. Uh, uh, I've got the 4801, so it's an older model, and uh, that's been my main home firewall, and that runs OpenBSD, uh, which has been, that's been a lot of fun, uh, configuring that, and that's you know, running off a compact flashcard. And this is probably uh, my lack of understanding, but I was never really able to wrap my head around IP tables in Linux, and I, you know, I tried it for a while, and just, and, and I just, I don't know, it, it never clicked for me. And so, like I said, it's probably a fault of mine. But I really enjoy working with PF. That's just such an amazing piece of software uh, that uh, it makes it makes actually configuring a firewall kind of fun. <laughs> and I think that's always the the exciting part of the free and open source software is that we don't have to live under the tyranny of only one choice. There's so many different types of Linux distributions or different BSDs out there that we can choose one that, that seems to fit our way of thinking. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I think um, just as we like to have choice between free software and proprietary software, it's nice to have choices among the free software projects. And what I really like is the fact that there's room for all of these different projects. And I hope that always remains the case because, I mean, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Linux. And I mean, I did a podcast on Linux for two years and, and uh, to try to, you know, help people understand Linux and things. And I, I still use Linux every day. And, uh, and I love the fact that we have the BSDs. And, and, and even among the BSDs, there are differences and very discrete, you know, different philosophies and different ways of doing things and, and different things they each bring to the table. And uh, and I love that choice, and I think that's what uh, that's what free software is all about, and and uh, so it's just been a lot of fun playing with them, and I, you know, can't can't wait to do more. And speaking of choice, not only is there choice in software, but also choice in hardware. You mentioned a Socris box, but uh, are you running anything that's non i386 architecture? Uh, let's see. I am running. Yes, I am running OpenBSD. Um, a, the AMD 64 port on my ThinkPad T61, which is a uh, Core 2 Duo machine. So I do have uh, the 64-bit OpenBSD on that. I ran the, the FreeBSD AMD 64 for a while, and uh, it I didn't really have any issues with it. I, I tend to, you know, and, and maybe it's just because I don't do anything where I would notice a difference, but I tend to not really notice much difference honestly, between running a 386 versus a, a AMD 64 version of an operating system. Oh, and as far as other architectures, uh, I do have a, um, a Sun Ultra 60 uh, Spark uh, machine, and so I've put uh, FreeBSD and OpenBSD on that as well, and, and you know, enjoy playing with that. That's a great machine. The problem is it's just, <laughs> it's very loud and very hot, and it's <laughs> very expensive to run from a power supply standpoint, so I tend to not use it too often, but uh, but it's but it's a nice machine to have. Yeah, I can, I can imagine with that many machines, if they were all in one room, it it could be quite an electric bill and quite a lot of air conditioning. Yeah, it is. They do tend to all be in one in one room in my sort of my uh, uh, man cave, my office. So yeah, it, it tends to be a it tends to be a little much. I I like to collect machines. In fact, I'm still on the lookout for some more Spark machines, and I always peruse Craigslist and try to find some old clunkers from time to time. And those are fun machines to play with. And I think uh, both Linux and BSD are are perfect operating systems to put on some of that old hardware.
Yeah, I know that Debian definitely supports a lot of architectures, and you know, NetBSD is known for supporting a lot, and I think OpenBSD does a pretty good job of, of supporting a variety of hardware. So it's it's always a fun adventure bringing something back to life. Yeah, and it's great to see that those architectures are maintained. I mean, I can't. I I would think it's somewhat difficult to do uh, to continue to main you know maintain an operating system for especially some architectures that are really no longer that are not really used that much anymore. But I think it's great that they do, and um, I'm very appreciative of the hard work that all these developers do, uh, not just in, in the operating systems themselves, but, you know, in, in, in broadening the choice again, you know, when it comes to choice in hardware. Uh, so I think it's fantastic. I think, yeah, Debian, I know, does support a lot of those different architectures, and, and it seems to me that uh, most of the BSDs do as well, to some degree or another. So what's your next big project that you're looking forward to? Well, nothing, nothing specific. I, I, um, uh, I've got my OpenBSD uh, 4.4 CDs on the way, so I'm looking forward to playing with that um, new new release. Although, even though, as I said, I've been running current, but I always like getting the OpenBSD uh, CD releases. Uh, but I don't have anything specific. I, other than uh, we do have an extra laptop that uh, my kids tend to use, and it's currently uh, running Debian. But I've, you know, I've been looking at putting one of the BSDs on there. The only issue, I think, for the kids, because they, you know, they don't really, I mean, I've got very young children, three and seven, so they don't really administer the, the machines themselves. But, again, the Flash thing, for them, it's a problem just because a lot of the kids' websites tend to use Flash. But uh, but that may be something I have to do is uh, break them into the BSDs. They already they already know about Linux, and uh, they see me wearing my Linux shirts and my FreeBSD and OpenBSD shirts, and so they know the difference between Tux and Beastie and Puffy. But <laughs> but that's about all. <laughs> so do you think we'll see you at a BSD conference someday? I hope so. I, you know, I was actually um, really hoping to get to um, the conference in Canada this year, BSD Can. Mm-hmm. And uh, because I've one of the things I've been doing, at least with FreeBSD, is I have been contributing some to the project. I actually maintain a couple of ports in the FreeBSD ports tree, and I've uh, contributed a little bit of documentation. I look forward to doing something like that with OpenBSD one of these days, from the port standpoint, perhaps. But I didn't get a chance to do that, and so definitely uh, next year, either either that same conference or the one in the one in New York, the one that's coming up soon. I hope to get to one of those conferences next year uh, and meet some of the people that I've that I've communicated with online and through email and things. It just seems like a great community, and uh, I've been lucky to go to the Ohio Linux Fest, which is a fantastic uh, sort of community Linux conference. I went to that last year and uh, hope to go to that again next year and uh, hopefully one of the BSD conferences as well. I, I wish I could make it to the Ohio Linux Fest also because that one definitely sounds like it's a lot of fun. But I'll be there at New York City BSD Con this year and I try to go to the one in Canada every chance I can. Yeah, I, I keep tabs on those conferences, and I, and I remember um, looking at the speaker list uh, for the for the conference in Canada, and it was it was awesome. I mean, I really I really wanted to go. It just looked like a fantastic uh, set of speakers and, and topics. But um, unfortunately, uh, with my day job and two young children and things like that, it it makes getting away for a few days somewhat difficult. All right. Well, thanks so much for spending some time and uh, talking to us about what you've been doing with BSD. Thanks so much, Will. I really had a great time, and, and I'd like to close out by thanking you again for, for what you do with this podcast. I mean, I think you provide a, a wonderful service to the BSD community, and you know, talking about BSD is one of the best ways to get people using BSD, I think. And uh, So thank you for what you do. 
Well, you're welcome, and thank you. If you'd like to leave comments on the website or reach the show archives, you can find them at bsdtalk.blogspot.com. And if you'd like to send me an email, you can reach me at bitgeist at yahoo.com. That's B-I-T-G-E-I-S-T at yahoo.com. Thank you for listening. This has been BSD Talk number 158.